0: Welcome to Robot Friends, the podcast that actively harms its audience. Episode 25, Eigenrobot vs. Visa. Hey, all. I'm here with Visa. Visa is... I mean, Visa's Visa. <laughs> how, how, <laughs> how do you usually introduce yourself?
1: I don't know, man. I like to improvise and just everybody sees something different, I guess. So I, I, and I like to encourage other people to interpret however they like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. So, I mean, you're, you're big on Twitter and, um, you know, I, it it seems like that's almost more of your life now than, I don't know. You don't have a day job, right? Not anymore. Yeah. Living the life. So yeah. So you're <laughs> and 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 like you've been really successful, I think, in, in what you've been trying to do online, oh, which, which 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 is what I mean. I, I know you've had a lot of threads on it, and you've been pretty open about being, I guess, kind of ambitious mm-hmm. socially, right? Um, what what spurred you on to that? I mean,
1: I've always been like this, so you can ask my <laughs> wife, you, you can ask my wife, like, uh, you know, in the early days, I used to be. You know, you know like some people say things like uh, I'm a I'm a 9000 follower account with with a like like I have a 9000 follower account spirit in a 90 account 90 follower account body that kind of thing. Like I was always yeah. like that. I was always like that. I was like even when I was posting on Reddit and like Facebook and just anything else I was I mean I, I guess if you want to go all the way back to like origin stories uh story I've told a few times is that I used to when I was a kid, uh, I used to go on Internet forums to find people who were into the same things as me. So the the, mm-hmm. the kind of formative experience was there was this video game called Darkstone. It's sort of like a Diablo clone that wasn't very popular, and yeah, uh, I was like none of my friends played it or heard about it. And there were it's like in the CD, there's like a in the booklet, there's like the website, and I went to the website, and they had a forum. And I was like seven years old. I didn't even... I had like no social skills, no understanding of anything. And here were all these people, presumably adults, right, who played this video game and they were talking about it. And I was so excited to join them. And um, there was this one moment where some guy was kind of making fun of another guy like they were all, like they were there in group right they were all the same people the people who knew each other for some time and one guy was kind of making fun of another guy and he said you know i'm playing i'm playing this game and i i got this item called the helm of the arse gods which is like obviously made up and obviously kind of taking the piss on something and me being yeah, yeah. An, me being an idiot child i was like oh He said that and people are responding positively. So if I do the same thing, they will respond positively too. And so I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I found the same item. How cool. And everyone was like, who's this idiot? You know, they don't even know. I mean, like if they knew I was a child, they'd probably be like, oh, it's a dumb kid. But it's just, everyone's mocking me, making fun of me, you know, just standard internet uh, dunking. And I was, I was mortified. I was like, holy shit. Like, Here's a group of people that I thought were like my found family, <laughs> and, I, and I just out, out, outed myself as a complete idiot buffoon, and and they mocked me, and I deserved it. And I I guess that was like I was like never again. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm never I'm never gonna fuck that up again. And so I was determined to study forums and understand how they worked, and you know so I would go on all these other forums, fighting game for video game forums, uh. I was even on like martial arts forums and bodybuilding forums when I wasn't doing any of those things. And I would, you know, <laughs> act, I would like study them. I'm like, oh, who are who are like the, the best posters? You know, who who gets all the karma? Who gets all the points? What sort of behavior is is rewarded and respected? And I mean, like, you know, so when, when, you, when you hear that in isolation or if you read it, it can sound kind of like, I don't know, sociopathic or market value or something. But I just really wanted friends you know i just really wanted to i just really wanted to understand and and to be understood and so yeah over I, i just kept at that it was like it was a thing with me throughout my life from like seven all the way until now and so i can i can go on any forum study how people talk understand what people want give it to them better than the average Use like you know, and then it's it's happened on so it, around like twenty fifteen ish. I got curious about the red pill, and as in like, and you know, my wife got worried because she's like, "Oh no, is my husband oh, gonna? No. Be- yeah. Is my wa- husband gonna become like a weird guy?" But like uh-huh. you know, by that point, I had already witnessed so many communities and participated in so many spaces, and I have a very strong sense of what my values are and stuff that I was actually able to study their language and then write a couple of posts that were expressing my values. So the same kind of fr- be a good friend, you know, take care of each other kind of thing. But I would frame it in their language, like tough guy language, and and be like, you know, if you... I would say things like, uh, you know, if you if you imprison yourself and call it a fortress, you know, you're kind of being weak. And I, I will just use their language kind of to yeah, make yeah. my points. And they completely agreed with me. And they were all so like... 95 to 98 percent of them i would say they were all like hungering for vulnerability and and kinship as long as you frame it in a way that doesn't seem soft and weak and you you make yeah. it like it's a status symbol like oh napoleon was you know he was a tough guy who <laughs> had all these soldiers but he was writing love letters and like if you become strong like the point is to nourish other people and they were like yeah fuck yeah you know and, and that that really was a kind of um kind of like i was gonna say red pill it's a kind of it 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 opened the world up for me because i realized that you know so i i would hang out on feminist forums and red pill forums and just all these other places and i could make everyone like me everywhere i go as long as i learn their language and kind of respect their customs and then share my point of view in a way that is sensitive to their concerns and so it's like i have this this double consciousness of everyone everywhere just wants to be loved and they want friends and they want connection and they're scared of some things and they feel threatened by some things and like you know it's like a classic uh if, if you watch like a romance movie or any kind of movie right like especially with uh now i'm thinking of like asian families but like there's always this thing where like the dad and the son love each other but they can't say it because they both have their machismo or whatever and then the, yeah, the, camp, yeah. the, the movie shows you that the son loves the dad or even you know, in uh, in God of War, there's a scene where Kratos' son is kind of dejected. And Kratos, like, reaches out to touch him, touch his son, and then he doesn't. And you as the player are like, ah, hug your kid, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> and, 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 the, and, and the game takes you on this whole journey. And at the end of the whole game, Kratos, you know, kind of hugs his son. And and there is that cathartic moment. But I feel like that's that's true for the whole species. Like, everyone is just lonely and scared and frightened. And everyone just wants friend right everyone just wants to feel seen and so that's kind of my my i can't hold on to that knowledge and not be crazy in my life without and which is what and so in 2019 some of my friends from sf they flew me out to go and meet them and it was like the most beautiful couple of weeks of my life it's like everyone i met from twitter was so warm and inviting and they invited me to their homes they fed me dinner lunch you know they showed me around and it was just this constant outpouring of kinship and you know even then you contrast that with like you i did see the homelessness on the streets and stuff like that and it just felt yeah. so so the disparity was just you know like here i was being gifted all of this kindness and warmth because these people trusted me and they liked me and all of those things which is like what for for you know skills that i picked up trying to impress internet nerds but like yeah, it, yeah. Gen- it generalizes beyond that and i'm like okay if i can you know, I, I don't think I'm, like, special. Like, you know, like, okay, I have a unique set of circumstances and I have ex- unique experiences, I guess. But, like, I'm pretty sure anyone can kind of learn these things. And so I guess you could say that now, I like, my quest is to teach that stuff to everyone else so that... Or everyone who wants to learn it or everyone who wants to try it so that they can do the same for themselves and share that with other people. Because in a way, you could say that, like, the modern... The the, the kind of... uh. The tragedy of modernity is that, for all of our comforts and and technology and everything that we have, uh, convenience, people feel uh less more disconnected, more isolated and alienated than before, and like that's that's that strikes me as a solvable problem, and that's kind of the problem I want to solve. I mean, I I don't mean, I don't think, I don't know if it's possible to solve the whole thing for the whole species, but. Like, you know, like any way in which it can be solved is worth doing. And then if it can be scaled, it's worth scaling.
0: Yeah. That's kind of hard. Well, yeah, let's get that's kind of interesting. Like, it strikes me as a sort of we're describing as a kind of true cosmopolitanism, right? Mm. Being able to go and enter any given sort of group, even if it's pretty alien to you and just pay attention to their norms and pay attention to, you know, what people in that group seem to need and then find a way to to express it to them. I. Mm-hmm expressing something which gives somebody a need is sort of a strange way of putting it, but I think it's right. You right. know, people need to hear things in a way that under, that they can understand and that makes them feel seen as as right. you said a few times. And I wonder, and like, I'm not trying to start a culture war thing mm-hmm. at all, but there's there's sort of a way that this reminds me a bit of maybe if, if you were to paint some of the, the like the, the social left, like mm-hmm. going and trying to identify groups that feel left out in some way mm-hmm. and then trying to integrate them into a broader society. But then it, it feels like maybe they're, there's kind of a way that they're trying to scale it or systematize it mm-hmm. that, that somehow misses the point, right? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe stops viewing people as individuals so much as like members yeah. of groups. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't quite have. A clear way of expressing this since it's a pretty fresh idea but i wonder if there's something there yeah like not mm -hmm. seeing people as individuals per se exactly like people who happen to be some particular way but like being a member of a group first and and that defining everything downstream of it yeah
1: yeah so it's it's very dangerous uh so people are always looking for shortcuts right and uh yeah the shortcut is always uh any shortcut that you kind of construct can also be be like a backdoor in a sense for for, and you know, like from my perspective as a as a Singaporean, so as think of that as like a, as someone from a tiny island city state. When I yeah. see, um, so I mean, Americans, but not just Americans, like um, Indians as well, like as a nation. So from my point of view, all n- people, all citizens of large nations, seem kind of insane to me. Like like they all seem to have like a like ideology as a a, like a national thing like it's like there's some kind of it just it just doesn't make sense to me and i mean i I can intellectually understand it but i don't feel it i don't feel what people feel when they get really worked up about um just ideology i guess or like a giant in groups where you know it's it's fiction right it's just such a yeah when you can't meet the people involved it's uh yeah it's just really strange but like to kind of try and answer answer your question i i I agree with what you're observing and um yeah i think it it yeah it really does have to begin with very human personal one-on-one kind of interactions and how how i you know and i think it scales all the way down to within the individual as well so it's like you know um like the way that i talk on twitter i i try my best to avoid becoming a kind of fortune cookie kind of a single voice uh coherent single voice so i i disagree yeah. with myself publicly as much as possible like i will tweet, yeah absolutely right i'll tweet like i think this and then another version of myself is like what the fuck, bro and then like we fight about it like within my head Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. and that and i have an alt i have multiple alts and i use my alts to insult me and i insult myself back <laughs> and, and, I, and you know there's i use that to demonstrate how we can have a, a kind of amiable disagreements that don't cross certain lines or whatever another thing i say is that you know i only swear with my closest friends like like you know so now that i've now that we're speaking like it's likelier that i might swear at you on twitter it's like a yeah you know i I, like i reserve politeness for strangers and enemies and whatnot like if there's a the, the more serious someone is like a terrible enemy of some kind like the more clinical i believe i have to be but i'm digressing a little bit yeah it's just you can't um you know okay here's how i'm approaching this these days when i'm thinking about it so one of the things i'm very concerned about and we talked about this uh, when we we're talking about like uh, the rise of you know uh, indian nationalism and, and people who are kind of hungry for just greatness or whatever i think the dominant thing that individuals care about um when navigating broader society is um dignity you know respect uh, the, people don't want to feel like they are lesser or that they are you know and so very often when people have have um, arguments they, they what, what they do in my in my assessment is they take each other to court in a sense even if it's just two people arguing on Twitter it's like yeah yeah like we are going, I'm gonna take you to court to the to trial of our peers or whatever right and then they try to litigate over technicalities. But the truth is nobody really gives a shit about technicalities. What they really want is to be treated fairly with dignity and respect. And like a a recent thing that I made a video about was um, this, I don't know if you know the story, but there were a couple of black ladies who went to Bali, which is in Indonesia, and they were... I don't know
0: anything about this, yeah.
1: Yeah, so okay, yeah, so a couple of American black ladies, they moved to Bali and so bali is like you know it's kind of like a touristy destination and there's a lot of foreigners from all over the world europe wherever who kind of live like a digital nomad lifestyle and you know so they yeah. help the, they help the economy locally but they also have a bit of a you know they're kind of annoying tour, there is a class of annoying tourists who feel very entitled australian guys there's a bunch of a subset there's a subset yeah, of australian yeah. guys who are like total wankers you know every every country has that group of guys that you know, when you point them out, everyone else is like, "Yeah, fuck those guys, right?" <laughs> and so they're very, very noisy, very entitled, and all of those things. And so, um, you know, and I, I'm so I made a video kind of talking about it, and I was like, you know, cons- consider what it's like to be a local Balinese, right? It's like, and if you go back into the history of it all the way, like Indonesia was colonized by the Dutch in the 1900s, 18- and you know, there's there's that kind of um, it's a complicated relationship. It's like, first of all. To be, have been colonized historically is like subjugation, which is which is uh, humiliation in a sense, right? And China, yeah, yeah. you know, you talk about century of humiliation and stuff. Like it, yeah. it has oh, a yeah. the psyche, right? And people don't want to be downtrodden in that way. So, okay, then that was over, right? But then you're kind of economically still backwards in a sense, relatively. And like, you know, your job opportunities are not as good, blah, blah, blah. And there's this general understanding in, in I would say in Southeast Asia, in most of Asia is that, you know, there's this idea of, of Western dominance. And uh, so even if it's not like military stuff or whatever, it's like, oh, you know, the what movies are playing in the cinema? Oh, it's Captain America and blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right. And yeah, so- I'm sorry
0: about that. Like, as an American, <laughs> let me apologize for the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. Terrible, terrible. But, you know,
1: it is what it is. It's You know, our, our kids enjoy dressing up as... as iron man and spider-man and it's like yeah, yeah they enjoy what they enjoy you know it, it could if butterfly effect it could have been i don't know i mean there's also anime right so it's, it's a bunch yeah of stuff. that's true <laughs> but yeah and um so there's that and then so imagine you're a balinese local and then there are all these tourists that come around and they do kind of raise raise your earning potential and like you know you, you maybe you have a brother who works in the tourism, who works at a hotel and he's earning quite a decent bit of money. So you're like, Oh, okay. You know, these people are like you, you don't as an, as an individual, individual Balinese, you don't really care that some person who is at your cafe down the street, who maybe they're nice to you and you're nice to them and you have a good relationship. And then you find out that, Oh, they're not actually here on a, on a, they're here on a tourist visa. They're not here on a, like a work visa. Like, who gives a shit? You know, it doesn't matter. It's like, that's like, yeah, yeah. To, to care about that is like technical stuff. But then if you later on find out that, oh, that person who's in the cafe has been like insulting, you know, the, the, your auntie who runs the cafe and saying, oh, she's some poor, uh, you know, like dumb bitch or whatever. Like, just so however they insulted yeah. that person. Now you'll be like, oh, this American came here and they didn't, get here on a visa like you just look for whatever technicality you can take them to court on yeah and uh-huh, you know uh-huh. send them deport them and send them back but yeah it's not it's not the technicalities that people actually care about it's that you disrespected them right and as long as so my my, my discovery is that as long as you treat people with respect and you, you make space for them to have dignity and you know if they are wrong you let them kind of be wrong you, you give them an out so that they can kind of gracefully acknowledge their mistakes. You know, there's this. Have you read? Uh, I'm sure you've read Ender's Game, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. There's this great bit where Ender is dealing with uh, that. Uh, was it Bosco? I can't remember his name. The, the Mexican. I guy. hope it
0: was Bosco. Um, Was it the guy? The, who... short,
1: the short guy. Oh, Bean. No, not Bean. Um, oh, not Bean. So, so first he was under
0: some group and then he was transferred to a second group. Yeah, I think I remember that after he made his his little army, and it was it that was it the guy that he ended up beating up in the shower. Or yeah, was yeah, the guy up? the guy that he killed okay.
1: right accidentally. Yeah, and the thing is, he said something like, um, "You know what? Uh, I need to practice, and you should let me practice." Like he took him aside privately, right? And then he said, um, "I will pretend to agree with you, and then tomorrow you can say that you changed your mind, so that you look good, and I, you know, like like that's that yeah, said sensi- yeah. that sensitivity to." I'm not gonna make you lose face in front of everybody else, right? I'm not yep. gonna mm-hmm. delegitimize your authority. I'm not gonna, and like that's the kind of sensitivity that is a superpower in a sense. And if ev- if yeah. everybody had it, we could all navigate like all social conflicts super elegant. It's like grace, right? It's like the PR slash uh, ambassador kind of skill set. Like nobody needs to look yeah. bad.
0: And yeah, yeah there's, you... mm-hmm. there's uh, I, I read a book a while ago. The earlier this summer, when it seemed like everything was going to hell in in a really like direct way, and it was by a guy named Rory Miller, and it was called Facing Violence, and he outlines specifically kind of social violence that's almost completely male, where you know it, he calls it the monkey dance, and he outlines it in five five steps. They go from one guy challenging another guy in some indirect way to another guy not backing down to, you know, these guys like starting to push each other or like poke each other in the chest to somebody like doing a haymaker to try and punch right. the other guy in the face. Right. And like, I think what I think what you're describing is sort of analogous to that in in a way where it's seeing this happening, perhaps, or not even letting it happen, seeing the potential for it to happen and then deciding to step away, let somebody else save face like just to decide that you're not going to be doing this dance. You're going to be having some other kind of interaction with somebody. And it does feel like a superpower being able to do that and just catch yourself before you jump off that ledge. Right. And uh, I I don't know why it's so difficult for people to do this. I mean, I I guess I do. You know, if yeah. if somebody says something that seems disrespectful to you, it's really hard to just eat that instead of like yeah. going back, taking a swing, swing and squashing that person.
1: Yeah. In fact, I, I don't think we – eat it like in the abstract so i mean we are both people who've read a lot right and i think people who have read a lot you you get this broader perspective on everything if you've let you've read history if you've read strategy whatever you've read you've just read a lot biographies and stuff and you're like you game it out right like so if i fight if i escalate like then it becomes this honor killing honor uh, blood feud right so it's like how do you like you see the consequences down the line whereas for it, it does make kind of rational sense for you know, especially young guys who are like in these um, just intense settings, like there is a, a internal logic to participating in the blood feud and to be able to kind of step outside of it and see how it's playing out. And so there are people who can step back far enough to see it, but not far enough that they opt out of it and find a new path that that uh, gives them meaning, doesn't, doesn't kind of, you know, so like, uh, you know, Animal Farm? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, the, the the tragic figure of Animal Farm to me is Benjamin the donkey. Like, he knows what the fuck yeah. is happening, right? He sees yeah, yeah. the whole thing, but he just doesn't have the power, doesn't have the influence. And I think there's this quote from um, it might have been Vonnegut who said something like. You know, every artist saw what was gonna happen with the Vietnam War, or like every intelligent person could see it. Oh, yeah, and like and like the net effect of all of their efforts was like a like a cake dropping or something like that. And it's like, yeah, 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 that's so tragic. Like, what's the point of being self-aware and like perceptive enough to know what the fuck's happening? But then you can't do anything about it. It's like you might as well not be aware. You might as well just get drunk, you know, just get angry, yell. You experience the, the joy of of not caring about the distant future. So there, there is a kind of tightrope you have to walk, and I have I think we, there are a significant group of people, kind of in our sphere, who have like they know too much. You know, they know too much about yeah. the world and about history and human nature, and it's just, uh, it's just depressing, I guess, to to not have. Uh... Yeah, you have to manage the narrative of that. It's a, it's really a a psychological extreme spot if you want to really go far with it and zoom out and not. I mean, you have, yeah, the more you know, I think I have a tweet about this. It's like, the more you know, the more you have to devise these elaborate um, psychological uh, sort of compensatory mechanisms to deal with the fact that you know what's going to happen. Because it makes you like, yeah. relative relative to the average person, it makes you a magician, right? Like, other people is like, oh, COVID's happening. What's going to happen? I don't know. And you think about it and you just sit down. You think, just think about it for a while. Okay. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I remember when the facebook video thing was happening when like the media so you know the, the big facebook video event right like yeah, so, like yeah yeah all the media companies were like oh facebook everyone's watching videos on facebook and you you just ask a few of your friends have you been watching videos on facebook we like, no, <laughs> 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 and like the entire media industry like thousands of tens of thousands of people like sh- they fired certain people they promoted certain people you're just watching it like this can't sustain itself right yeah oh and then what you, a train wreck you, yeah and then to see the whole thing coming and not be spiteful about it not be, i mean if you're in if you're in the middle of it right not to be spiteful about it not to be uh i told you so about it like it's just it, it takes all this additional compensatory like um suspension <laughs> stuff yeah. that you have to devise. yeah, yeah but,
0: i yeah. think that's a lever. A level deeper than I've actually been able to reach myself. I mean, you know, in the United States with COVID, with the response to COVID, Mm -hmm. I'm still kind of mad about it. And makes sense. I, I I had a I had a conversation with Chaos Prime maybe a month or two ago about this. And I mean, even without referring to anything specific that happened, it was just like, well, okay, we understand what the world is like. We understand how it got here. We wonder we understand why things are the way that they are. And what do you what do you do about it? I mean, like once mm. you have that kind of knowledge and you understand to an extent, or think you understand the extent to which like all these different structures interact with each other to produce this the result that almost feels inevitable, given all of these, mm. given all of these causes, you know, maybe there's not anything that you can do about it at all. But how do you what what do you do next? And and I feel like that dovetails pretty well. One one thing you mentioned, and one thing that I think we've been doing a lot for the last twenty minutes is bringing everything back to fiction, mostly mm-hmm. fiction. I mean Animal yeah. Farm, Ender's Game. I was about to to mention Cassandra from you know from Greek legend, right? This right. this she knows lady who is yeah. she knows the future and she's cursed to not be able to do anything about it. Yeah. And I I was thinking about this earlier today. Someone on, on Twitter asked me what nonfiction they should be reading to understand the world. And I came up with an answer to that question, but I almost wanted to just say no, go and read fiction. Right. you're gonna do, you might do better with fiction as a means of understanding what people are like and yeah. to an extent what the world is like yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm curious how you think that's affected you over time i i've definitely been reading less lately for a variety of mm-hmm. reasons but maybe yeah. that's bad and i'm certainly glad that when i was a kid in elementary school mm. i mean i just didn't do anything but read like right. constantly you know
1: yeah i don't i don't think it's bad to read less i think it's like uh you know if you have a form if you I think what's optimal, at least for me, and so probably similar for you, is that, yeah, you read it like, like crazy when you're a child and that gives you kind of the, the corpus or like the body of... of whatever and then and then you kind of update slowly as you get older i mean as you get older you, you you care more about the immediate world because now you can impact it right? when you're a child it's like what's the point of reading about the world bank when you're 10 you can't yeah, do shit yeah. even now it's like what are you gonna do but like as you get older it's like okay you, know, you want you want to know specifics so that you can influence it I, I i think i roughly read about one big book a year like so last year it was dune uh this year something else i don't know but like yeah. when I was a kid, it's like every day, it's like reading some crazy giant book. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it gives you know to exercise human imagination. It's like to me, it's a, I, was, I was just sharing this with uh, Liminal actually, that hmm. you know, um, like this, like uh, I suggested that she make a, a an alt for a fictional character, and she's like, oh, and does that does that kind of cheapen something something? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right, I forgot to mention that I take I take fiction more seriously than I take take a lot of people and even that's not a correct statement because it's more of like everything is fiction you know governments are fiction nations are fiction money is fiction and so the reality that we inhabit is simply the consequence of a very specific fiction that people have collaboratively co-authored based on their, ex- their limited imagination. And yeah, yeah. good fiction is the expansion of imagination and the exercise of imagination in other directions, right? That So yeah. they expand the possibility space of... And, you know, like so much of sci-fi has been produced right like that we now take for granted and it's, it's not just yeah it's just every different ways of imagining how things could be like you have to imagine something before it can happen but it, again even that is a little bit more utilitarian a uh, frame than i would like and it's really just yeah imagination is fun you know just consider that the world does not need to be the way that it is and consider that you know there's another way of being there's another way of doing blah 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 and yeah it's just and i It's only fairly recently, I'll say like the past four, five years or so, that I realized how kind of radical it is to read a lot of books when you're young. Like it really, and like, I, I think it, so it clarified a lot of things for me. I think some people didn't hate school as much as others because they had not conceived of what a real education could be. Like they just, so yeah. they didn't, they didn't know a better alternative. Like, so if you were reading in a self-directed curious way, you know what it's like to just learn all kinds of shit all the time. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then when that gets suppressed, it feels like you're being attacked or it feels like you're being suppressed. Whereas if you never had that, then it's just like, oh, I'm sitting with my friends in a boring place, but okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't feel the loss. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you get it. You d- get d- it.
0: Did did you not enjoy school much? I mean, I'm guessing Singapore schools are maybe a little bit more, um, more intense. like rote oriented. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's even
1: worse than, you know, you have uniforms and everything. Uh, and, you know, I'm like tall, dark and have a weird name. So it's like, I got singled out for everything. And uh, that was not fun, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's, I, I do think that, um, and this circles back to something else we were talking about earlier. I do feel like, People complain about everything in a way that, it, it, yeah, it's all connected. It's like, you know, so I have an o- occasional riffs. I think school is probably the thing that I complain about the most that uh, I kind of give myself free license to just bitch about it, like, yeah, open, openly. But even then, you know, I have friends who are teachers, you know, and I, I respect them for what they do. Um, where was I going with that? It's like, there's there comes a point where when you complain too much about something in in too strong a way, you end up giving it power over you, in a sense.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I don't know if this is the correct um, choice of subject matter for it, but like, uh, you know, it's like in Singapore, for example, there's a class of kind of angry activist type who hates the government, which is understandable. But like yeah. the they 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 it's heterodoxy as orthodoxy inverted, right? So it's like they spend all their time complaining about the government of and they have valid complaints but it's that they they spent you know it's just it's um it's almost like they want the drama to go on right it's like uh, oh yeah right it's it's not it's and they and the thing the the kind of scary slash sad thing is they don't a lot of them don't seem to realize that that's the case and and again so if if i say that too confidently it's like i'm asserting that i understand their experience better than them which i don't want to do but I have seen it. I've, I've had private conversations with individuals who, over the years, changed their mind about their experience. And they've come around to be like, oh, yeah, you know, in spending all my time complaining about X... I allowed X to continue to kind of dominate and devote and and whatever my life, you know? So like yeah. I, I used to be a part of uh, the music scene in Singapore and it's, it's like small, you know, it's kind of lively. It's a lot of petty local drama as all small scenes of minimal consequence have. And, um, yeah, you know, like, I, I, I argued with a bunch of guys a lot, like, this small group of friends, frenemies, whatever, and eventually, I was just like, you know, guys, this is, like, the third year we're talking about the same things of no consequence, and we have no influence, and we've not changed anything in the world, and I'm just, you know what, like, I'm just, I'm done, I'm just gonna go out and find other people to talk to, and do other things, and I did, and they were like, ah, you know, that's never gonna happen, and and I did it, and and now I have, like, more, you know, I'm not gonna say that I'm, like, powerful or whatever, but, like, I have more influence over outcomes that I want to see. And again, it's It's like, you know, uh, it would be nice if, if my plans play out the way I would like them to and everything goes according to plan, which they won't. But like if, if things go really well, I think it's possible for an individual to have influence over even potentially geopolitics or just, you know, international yeah. relations, like you know, all those things. Like I would say, you know... So like right now we are having this conversation, and you know, I wish we had a friend from from China joining us. You know, I wish we had like yeah. if if we had all these people from all over the world. There's this great quote by um, this author of the author of Persepolis. Let me look it up because it's it's really oh uh,
0: Marjane Satrapi, right? Yes, probably mispronouncing uh, that. Uh, She's to, wonderful.
1: Satrapi government quote. And it's like, it captures everything. She says, "Ah, the world is not divided between East and West. You are American. I am Iranian. We don't know each other, but we talk and we understand each other perfectly. The difference between you and your government is much bigger than the difference between you. I'm not getting the whole quote. Uh, The difference between you and your government is much bigger than the difference between you and me. And the difference between me and my government is much bigger than the difference between me and you. And our governments are very much the same like that was a yeah and it's just just this thing of like people get incentivized to kind of hate on out groups of every kind whether it's like in local politics or in you know across different states or across different countries and it's just the way that things are structured we don't get to see other people as people and we fixate on what is you know like so every culture has some weird thing about it like it just seems inevitable right like with Singapore it's drugs with America it's guns with Japan it's whatever it's like and the thing is whatever it is that is slightly deviant about that culture they might not think of it as you know the central thing about their life it might just be like some weird legacy issue that they have but to every yeah. other culture it seems like the weirdest thing and so they fixate on that and they're like oh what the fuck like Singaporeans they have canes and they cane people it's true it's weird it's it's like some weird legacy shit but it's like nobody thinks about this when they're going about their day right it like comes up in the news once a year or something and they're like are we still doing that why are we doing that that's fucked up you know and then it's like it just takes a really long and time they, to,
0: yeah yeah but are but you... that mm-hmm, go ahead uh, not not to be object level, but there's actually a contingent in the United States, or at least there was maybe five years ago, that was arguing for corporal punishment in place of putting <laughs> people in jail, which I mean, honestly, as somebody who spent a few days in jail, I would have preferred to be caned, like having mm. some short, sharp physical pain as opposed right. to like sitting in jail for days. I mean, that right. that's excruciating. It's so fucking boring. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um... Well, it's hard to talk about because it's, uh, it's never just the thing, right? It's, it's like it's yeah. the whole, you know, again, like governments are, are theater productions, right? So it's the whole drama yeah. of it. And like, they won't tell you what, apparently my wife was looking this up and it's like, they don't tell you what day you're going to get caned. So like, you'll be in jail for like however long. And then like, it's like surprise today. Oh. Like that kind of, like, it's like, they, they, they want to humiliate you and make you I scared. See. And yeah, so it's. You know, if they could really just reduce it to, you did the crime, here's some pain, done, shake hands, thank you, yeah. go on with it, that'd be great. <laughs> you know yeah, that? yeah, yeah. But okay, yeah, that's there's, there's the whole theater aspect of it, which is just, you know, I, yeah. I'm not a fan. And, but yeah, it, there's, there's this, there's a thing about trying to, yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, there's, I don't even know where I want to go with that, but yeah it's just it's things are shit's complicated there's ugly shit everywhere yeah and uh, you know we have to try and nothing is gonna resolve overnight so we have to kind of be willing to tolerate some some bullshit to to make progress and i i, I lately I've, i i get frustrated with people who are kind of like ideological purists who get frustrated. You know, so people who don't do anything don't get criticized. And people who are trying to make things better, if they do anything imperfect, they do get criticized. And yeah. so what happens is that anybody who doesn't want to get criticized just doesn't do anything. And so th- not only does that keep good people out of roles where they can make a difference, uh, the people who end up left behind are like total psychopaths, right? <laughs> or sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, yeah, the the public is not educated on how to be a good public. And and the ways in which we educate ourselves as a public is the incentives are warped. And so we kind of further miseducate ourselves. And yeah, lately, a troubling thought I've been having is that what if kind of sociopathic narcissist types genuinely understand people better on average than they understand themselves like it's I, I think it's possible i mean again people always point to like the the failures and this it's like this schrodinger's sociopath right like on one hand he's powerful enough to corrupt and manipulate society on the other hand yeah. he's like oh this petty tyrant who only cares about um you know camera time or being quoted in the media or whatever and it's yeah, like so yeah. is, he, is, is he powerful or is he not right and i i always think that the you know like the problem with scams is that it's not that the scammers are so clever. It's that people are so dumb, right? And there's yeah, no yeah, nice sure. There's no nice way of saying that people are dumb. Like, that's my, you know, so I wouldn't tweet that, that people are dumb because, you know, it's the tone is everything, right? Like, so when I, I right. say it yeah, with yeah, love. Yeah. I say it with love that we are all idiots. <laughs> we all get yeah. swept oh, up in sure. stupid shit, right? And there's, there's a relief when you realize that it's okay. It's, you know, it's kind of okay to be an idiot. And I think, again, like one of the, the tensions or stresses that, it's like part of the psychodrama of Twitter and everywhere else is that people, um, you know, it's, it's like moral flagellation, right? Like you, you, you want to find people to, to kind of put down in some way. And even if you successfully find like someone who's very bad and very criminal and very, and you know, I'm probably in two minds about this as well. Like, like I say this now in the abstract, but if someone's really doing fucked up shit, I might join in. But like, even then, you know, um, if you go too far in, in wanting to put someone down for some crime and you demonize them and whatnot, like there is like you, you can't use that venom and that, that or like whatever that toxic waste as a weapon without it corroding you at the same time. In, and in yeah. that like like if you believe that somebody deserves to be attacked, then even if there is a righteous reason for them to be attacked you now live in your head and in amongst your friends in a world where attacking people for doing wrong thing or wrong act or whatever is okay. And so I I like this perspective of we must be kind to our enemies and not for them, like fuck them, but we must be kind. (laughs) We we must be kind for ourselves so that we don't become the kind of fucked up, uh, you know, rulers or, or society where that, that, allows cruel unnecessary cruelty to be to be kind of uh just expressed right it has to be discharged in some other way
0: yeah i i saw that the other day um there's a guy noah berlatsky i'm not sure i'm getting his name right who i mean like noah is is a really tiresome guy and he does lots of terrible things on twitter and he he posted something where he was criticizing some other people like Jesse single who, mm, yeah, who does. Of that. Yeah. And then this columnist, I think at New York times named Elizabeth Brunig mm. like twisted something pretty far out of proportion to call him a pedophile oh, or, damn. or a defender of pedophiles. And, you know, he wasn't saying that he's clearly not a pedophile. I think his ideas are really dumb and I find him tiresome, but I mean that, that lowered her, right. You know, that she didn't need to do that. There was nothing to be gained from that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just enough to say, Noah, you're, you're being a twit. Stop it. Like, and even to say like, you're better than this, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's really powerful saying, saying to somebody like you're better than this, consider that become good. Mm. Like that. I, I think that establishes like you think well of somebody, even if you don't think well of what they're doing at any point in time. And I mean, there's a really passive aggressive way to go about it. I, I mean, it is a little bit passive aggressive, frankly, but I think you can frame it correctly. And in any case, it it's asking somebody to change how they're acting and like offering themselves the opportunity to, I don't know, redeem themselves, I mm. guess, a little yes. bit in your eyes, if, if they actually care what you think of them, or at least give them the opportunity to reflect on what they're doing. And and that just seems more productive to me than than going full hog trying to destroy somebody, yeah, in in the most absurd way, po- you know, possible, and in such a way that makes yourself look like I don't know, kind of an ass, right? So and yeah, and, and even if you have
1: some, uh, and you know, I think this is what happened to social justice in like the early twenty tens on Tumblr and stuff. Like, even if you have a, a absolutely despicable villain who really deserves to, you know, who really kind of there's not you can't excuse shit for them and they're irredeemable like they're really just somehow you know nobody i don't know why that is but some people are like that and I, i you can theorize about it but you just know that these people have done horrible horrible shit and they don't feel sorry for them they don't feel any remorse or whatever if you seek vengeance against them here's the here's the difficult part other people who enjoy who are gleeful about violence will join your banner and yeah. they will. And when you have people who are gleeful about violence, so that, so this is the thing that needs to be discussed and in the abstract even is that there are people in the world who are gleeful about violence and they don't care what the context is. They just want an acceptable way to inflict you know pain and damage on anybody else. And they will if they see that you know. So it might be that they they join the army, right? Or they might join this is whatever whatever context they join. They they look for some way that. There's an existing kind of uh, whether it's a culture war, whatever they, they 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 find an acceptable target and they they expend their energy in that. And then it's like um there's this I think there's this guy Bhopal something he he had a nice tweet about how it's like so you might have started let's say you're, a, you're like a YouTuber or someone right like you start you attack someone once for a good cause and then you attract all of these bloodthirsty people into your crowd and then they yep. into the crowd and if there were like rational voices in your crowd before that, they're like, okay, what the fuck? The temperature in this place is getting weird. I'm gonna leave. I'm heading out. Bye. And so now there's yeah. like this. Diff- so the, the 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 sober and moderate voices leave, and now you have all these crazies. And sure, your first target was a reason was like a valid target, but now they want another target. And like if you as the leader are not attacking a second target, now you then you become the target because they're like, hey, yeah, we, we are your audience, and like you know we joined your crusade, and now you're like, you're like yeah, and now now you're being weak. Like, that's that's the second target. Like, let's go after the second target. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> there was one target and we we took care. Of, and then now they're like, oh, you know, I, are you trying to whatever? And then, yeah, this happens all the time. It's like you, so you summon the demon to, to go after a valid target. But once you summon the demon, the demon doesn't give a fuck. The demon just will, will, will consume you and then it'll consume everyone else. And a lot of people are like, oh, that enemy outgroup has a demon. So we should summon a demon to go after yeah. them. And like, oh, man, this... Again, if you've read stories, you know that this just never ends. Like, weary elders have been trying to warn us about this for millennia. Like you, can't, <laughs> you can't summon a demon to defeat a demon. Come on, guys. Species, please.
0: So, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've been talking a lot about, I think... I don't know, like interpersonal ethics and, and ethics just in general, in sort of an indirect way for almost right. this entire this entire podcast. And I'm yeah. curious what you identify as your, I don't know, ethical influences. Is that a weird thing to say? Is um, it, I mean, like a lot of a lot of what you're framing seems almost like kind of a Christian ethic. Although I'm not entirely kinda. sure that it's exclusively Christian. Yeah, Jesus was cool, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, what? Do, do, would you, would you go so far as not not to like go go music on you, but like, do you have a set of ethical influencers like on uh, on the way that you think about the world? I mean, so I just I just read a lot of stuff
1: and yeah, and it's like it's very in my head. It's probably like a weird remix of everything. It's like folklore. Yeah, I would say I would say that I, my ethics is like the f- if like you had like a wiki page like a fandom of all the law, so like Greek law and Indian Mahabharata law and Bible law and just even, even like TV shows and anime and, and uh, video games. You know, like you could make the case that I very much embody a very cliche video game protagonist approach to life, right? Like, Yeah, uh, absolutely. So it's like what I learned from video games, from Japanese RPGs, from Mass Effect and from... From, uh, and Mass Effect is heavily influenced by Star Trek. I haven't actually watched Star Trek, but like it's kind of the same vibe, I think, which is very, you know, um, you earn people's loyalty by helping them with their problems. And then now you have a mutual trust and respect. You ha- try and help people find out their problems, solve them. You know, like um, Solomon in the Bible is like, yeah, helping. Like it's just all these, like it's not that I, I pick a team, it's just that all these individual stories of people. Coming up with ways to find kind of um, good outcomes for everybody, and like yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like Chinese folklore, um, you know, Kenshin the anime. I used to watch, when I was a kid, I watched that. That felt really oh real. sure yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah absolutely. So that was a yeah, that was a pretty big influence on my moral development. <laughs> and it turns out that the author of Kenshin is an asshole. So fuck you know it's just is it, oh and, really and oh that's too bad yeah and he yeah he has he had like I think he might even have child porn or something. and uh, I, I oh, almost don't want to know right yeah. It's that's, so strange yeah. that it's so strange that fucked up people
0: seem to produce good. I don't know. I I, I don't yeah. want to think too much about that. I but. don't either. That's that's really interesting. I mean, honestly, I mean, thinking back to anime, like I would, I I watched Trigun when I was fifteen, and I was like, yeah, okay, I get this, and it, I think, genuinely did have a massive influence on on yeah. the way that I at least for a while saw the world and interacted with it. Right. You know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah so, I, I, mm-hmm. I wonder. I, I mean, I think maybe that's one of the reasons that it's great for kids to read a lot is that you just come up with. I, I think it's very good for developing an ethics, and I mean, this yeah. is something that I'm very concerned about because you know I have a daughter now, yeah. and we're we're not really religious, and I'm not sure exactly that you know going and having a religious education would necessarily be something that really clearly establishes an ethic. For for oh, sure. people, but <laughs> yeah. but also, I mean, like you know, I I created a daughter and I'm responsible for raising her. And while I would like her to have a very good life, and and I want just everything for her, mm-hmm. it also mm-hmm. feels incumbent on me to do what I can for everybody else in the world to yeah. like try and guide her to become somebody who's not an asshole, right? You know. And so, yeah. like, how do you do that? And. Yeah. I mean, maybe just reading a lot of fiction is a really good way to do it. Like establishing a very large baseline of stories for how people can be good, how people can interact with others and like have a vibrant and rich and I don't know, kind of kind life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That feels
0: correct to me. Mm Yeah,
1: while I was, you know, so I have a blog with a lot of content, and I was like, ah, oh, this is just too much. Where do I, if I, if if I was gonna lose all of my blog posts except for one, right? Or if I if I had to only reduce everything down to one blog post, what would it be? Or like, you know, it's if I had like one message for the world, you know, that kind of cliche shit. Um, I, I, or how do I, how do I capture? my life's story and what i've learned and my message and whatever and so the blog post i ended up writing fairly recently that kind of i think summarizes everything is what i call the library ethos and so it's and it's kind of what you're asking is about and which is that you know libraries are one of the very small handful of things that civilization got really really right like we really like we fucked up lots of shit in a lot of ways but libraries are chef's kiss that's like one beautiful thing that we've done And, you know, libraries, I call them, I think of them as lighthouses to human consciousness. And it's like, and it's not just the buildings or the books, right? It's the endeavor. It's that authors contribute to them. And every author who sits down to write a book, even if it's like a cynical book, like the act of sitting down to write a cynical book is an optimistic act because you believe that someone else is going to read it and they're going to care about it and so on and so forth. And if you kind yeah. of aggregate, aggregate just the the human, you know, the Baghdad House of Wisdom in and and the Library of Alexandria, and just like just knowing that there have been authors and also musicians. So music is a kind of the other big thing yeah, in my yeah. life. But like knowing that there have been authors and musicians throughout human history who have kind of tried to keep the species afloat like psychologically and spiritually like that is my overarching spirituality like that's the thing that keeps me from becoming like a selfish asshole like as long as people have been trying all this time to do that i like that's the team that i want to be a part of and yeah it's like you know when i was watching when i was a kid so I uh, i remember so anime i think was the I watched it when I was about 13 or 14 and Uh it was, it felt to me like the most real shit that I had seen around up until around that time, apart from like a few books, but like, you know, and it's like, so I'm Singaporean and like on TV, there's like local TV stuff, which is pretty superficial. And then there was like, um, you know, Western cartoons, X-Men and stuff, which is not bad. And then there was Kenshin, Kenshin and Kenshin was like, it really dug deep into like the tragic backstories of the villains which is like something that I think maybe in popular culture, we're getting a tiny glimpse of it now. But even then it's like, you know, it's like Killmonger in Black Panther was quite uh, a relatively surprisingly, like they made him relatable in some ways and they gave him like a, a genuine um, concern. And I mean, they also made him like abusive to women and stuff. So like they, they, they made sure not to make him too relatable, right? Like if, if, if the villain was too reasonable, it's like, Oh, you question, then people come yeah. away from it like, like questioning, like uh, you know should we have a revolution or whatever but uh, yeah but yeah with with anime i felt that and you know my I, I went to do a bunch of reading about it and it's like oh you know after the you can basically trace it back to like world war Two, and after the atom bombs dropped like it's just such an existential you know if there's any social bullshit in your country or in, in a place like japan like if there was any like we pretend that life's fine or whatever. Like once atom bombs drop on your city or like in, in yeah. a neighboring city, like you can't you can't hide shit from anyone. Everyone's just like, what the fuck just happened? Like we just lost. Why is there so much death? And then you get really existential. Like why is there cruelty in the world? Why did we come to this? How did we fuck up, fuck up so badly? And so they re- I think they then went got into some really deep inquiry and they were willing to share that with their kids, right? Because that is their heritage and history. So it's like, I'm like 60, 14 and I'm it. And now that I look back on it, you know, I used to come home from school and not do my homework and watch anime. And when now at thirty, I look back, I'm like, wow, that thirteen-year-old knew what was up with life, right? Like he was doing yeah. really, the the best possible thing he could have done was come home from school and watch anime. Like if he had gone home and done his homework instead of watching anime, like that would not have been ideal compared to where I am now. But yeah, it's just you know, understanding human. Suffering like the best and the worst of what humanity has done everywhere in and like the you know there's a quote from it might be Miyazaki who said like the line of cruelty runs through every human heart something like that it's like yeah understanding that appreciating that is really something
0: yeah I'm actually I mean now that you mentioned I I haven't read or watched Black Panther but now that you mentioned like there's there's this villain who has a pretty compelling story and maybe a pretty compelling argument Mm -hmm. and you know, you almost want to like him, but that also he abuses women. Yeah. Like I, I'm actually mad about that. I, yeah. I again having never read it, but that yeah. seems like it makes it a worse piece of art because that, it feels very extraneous. You know, if you want to right. argue against what this person right. is doing, right. like just going yeah. and making him some kind of like, you know, c- completely, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like egregiously villainous, you know, like going and right. kicking a dog or whatever, like, <laughs> There's, there's, there's another thing that influenced me as a teenager, which is a, a video game called Lunar that not many people have played. But there, there's this villain who, you know, he goes and he kidnaps your girlfriend, and he's sort of trying to destroy the world. But he also, like, you go and invade his fortress, and he has a little garden there that's full of these very sweet fairies, all of who all of whom love him, because he, he like, he's always so kind to them, and he comes and visits them and like gives them, you know, food and everything. And it's like, oh no, like I'm going right. to go and kill Galleon. Right. And he's done some terrible things, but also like right. he's clearly not just some sort of a cruel person. Yeah. And I mean, like you get through the game and it's like, well, this seems like the right thing to do. And it sort of turns out to be, but also it's like, can you really be sure in that? I think yeah. that makes trying to defeat him much more compelling than, yeah. than simply like, oh, he's going and kicking a dog, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so there's a lot of Japanese video games and anime that really kind of do that so like so in Kenshin again it's like uh there's this whole bit where like you you really understand how the villain was produced right it's uh and yeah now now you know like there's these memes about like oh Joker we throw him into society and then you get that but just kind of appreciating that every bad guy comes from somewhere it's not just like some like and that's yeah so that's and and yeah there's a very you know I guess even in Star Wars there's this idea of like Luke throwing away the lightsaber in the end of the first trilogy. And it's kind of like, you know, if, if you, re- refusing to perpetuate the cycle of violence is, uh, is a very profound, I mean, it's like Jesus had some of that Buddha had some of that. It's a kind of profound reset kind of thing, but yeah, it's yeah. very hard for, for people to, to internalize.
0: Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> so we're coming up at an hour, which is fine. Right. Um, yeah. What did oh uh my wife and we should talk about our wives if sure. if you're willing um, go for it my my wife had one question that she wanted me to ask you which is uh, she was curious about evangelicals in Singapore so my, my wife grew up in a like pretty Baptist family like from a, a long line of Baptist preachers and I think she was just curious like what what the effect of that has been or like how much I don't know maybe there, there's some kind of like. Um, even broader cultural American evangelism that's playing out in right. Singapore. But but yeah. in particular, like that, that kind of yeah. missionary it work is. and what, what that's like.
1: It is happening and it is kind of worrying. So my, my wife is very worried about it, funnily enough. It's, uh, you know, so there have been Christians in Singapore for a long time. And like it, in the early days, it was like, uh, you know, there, there used to even be, so before I was born, there was like a Catholic left. Like they were kind of uh, socialist, oh, sure. socialist edges and they were kind of shut down. Like, uh, you know, not not directly, but like, they were they were yeah and lately i think uh there has been more of this like prosperity gospel stuff mega church stuff oh no yeah so that started i mean it's it's not yet like a like a huge influence but it's growing and they are very organized which is creepy right like yeah just, like um, the 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 tragic thing again it's like that a small group of very organized people can do a lot that a larger group of people who are kind of annoyed with it but don't coordinate can't like that's, yeah. that's, an- that's another one that's like another one of those like red pill kind of shit like really it takes very few people but you have to organize coordinate and kind of speak up consistently and take action and like it doesn't take a lot of action you just need to persist and like most people don't persist very hard very long at anything so yeah anybody who does that like they get disproportionately rewarded for it but, like, trying to get people to understand this, it's, like... I, I think that my conversion rate on that is, like, 1%. Like, I like every 100 people I talk to about this, like, 1% of them get it. And, okay, yeah. but it does... It, it, the, the kind of um, golden lining, silver lining to that is that once you found the first 100 or so people, like, then it gets easier because each, each one of those people knows someone else who's so kind of that. But, yeah, it's really the whole kind of uh, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Like, that's really... I do feel like we, I mean, so I don't know if the feeling that we have, or I am mean, the feeling that I have, I don't know if you have it as well. I, I suspect you might. It's just, you know, we're just on the cusp of, like every generation probably feels this to some degree, but for some yeah. generation, it will be true. Like there's this great quote in, my favorite essay of all time is by, fuck, I can't remember his name, Adam Gopnik. And he wrote this in the New Yorker in 2011. It's called The Information. And he's talking about, the internet and culture wars and how each new piece of media technology leads to a new culture war that is bloody and horrible. And, uh, and how, you know, who do you blame for each thing and all of those things. And he's one of the lines he, and like every line is quotable, but one thing he says was like, you know, every Rome, so every wave of barbarians that shows up at the Roman gates so you just imagine like one Roman telling another Roman, oh no, there's barbarians at the gates. And then the next Roman is like, ah, you know, this happens every couple of years. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Like, And yeah. and, and that happens every time until one day, it, one day the second guy, is, the first guy is right. One day the yep. thing falls and then he says, next thing you know, there's no hot baths for hundreds of years. Yeah, <laughs> And same thing for, you know, you have some pimple or some weird boil and you're like, ah, oh, is it cancer? And it's like, most likely not but one day, yes, you know, so it's just, yeah. it's, it's that, so similarly, it's like every generation is like, oh no, are we on the verge of an apocalypse and like, it does feel like if there's one generation that's likelier to be it than any preceding generation, it feels like it's us or maybe the next one but like, you know, climate crises and culture war, next level stuff, it, it, you know, I don't want to be a scaremonger, you know, uh, but I want to navigate it as, as honestly and, Kind of uh, level headedly as possible, but yeah, there I have worries, man. <laughs> but yeah, you can't you, you can't let it get in the way of your life, right? You just live the live the best life you can, and it shakes out, however it shakes out.
0: Yeah, no, no, I agree with you there. It's like it it seems like things are just moving very quickly, and I, I was talking with it might have been Ollie, another another guy from a small island nation, <laughs> um, Ireland, and. I mean, I it may have been somebody else, but we were talking about maybe sort sort of like physical technology and social technology, right. and maybe this possibility that at least at least in the Western world, as usually defined, like maybe a lot of the social technology died in World War One, and we're sort of living in the social ruins, possibly compared to what came before, Possibly. And yeah, but but then you know maybe we're making up for it with physical technology. But, I mean, it definitely feels like the way that people interacted was much thicker back, you know, back back in that pre-war period. And, like, there were more institutions that existed to bind people together. I mean, people would go to mm-hmm. church and people would go to clubs much more consistently in the real world and people would have sports leagues and just – And this sort this is sort of the bowling alone story. But, yeah. I mean, even, even if you were to look at social trust, you know, there was, there was this really funny thing from, I want to say, the Minneapolis – Star or the Minneapolis Tribune or something like that from the 1950s, where they were talking about the hydrogen bomb. And there used to be this very charming thing in American newspapers where they would just go and interview people who were walking around in the street (laughs) and ask them what they thought of such and such. And here they were asking people about hydrogen bombs. And I mean, the responses basically made no sense. One guy was very concerned that setting off a hydrogen bomb was going to like stop the earth from rotating, something like that. And So like that was charming in and of itself, but they also printed photos of these people and then they also printed their home addresses (laughs) and, and like, that's unthinkable now, you know, nobody's going to want their photo up. Nobody's going to want their real name and their home address, you know, forget that. And just thinking about the kind of society where you could do that and that would just be a normal thing that, that feels completely out of reach right now. I mean, even even versus the '90s, like there used to be phone books. You know, you used to like yeah. everybody in the city would just have a phone book delivered with you know someone's name and telephone number and address. And now, I mean, that that's dangerous. That's doxing. Right. But yeah. it just I mean, used to be yeah. the default.
1: The variable, I guess, is that um, life felt less. Uh, I mean, so it's media technology, right? So this is you should you yeah. should totally read the essay that I mentioned. I'll send it to you later. But it's it's media tech. It's like a you know, it used to be that only kind of maybe historians would read old newspapers and stuff like that. But it, it used to be that, you know, the daily news or... And I, I would say even in Singapore, like, um it's funny because the way the news works in a place like Singapore, and I, I would say this is probably true everywhere, but like it's especially wild for me in Singapore. It's like the news will report whatever is happening and it will forget what happened a while ago. So like... There was this, so like uh, with one of the things I, I was once arguing with somebody about racism in Singapore, and so it exists. It's it's not like the states. It's just it's different, but uh, you know, it's just like friction, social friction, and and this like depends on who you talk to. They'll say how bad it is, but you know, it's manageable. It's it's just a it's like a nuisance, but it is a thing, and some people like are in denial of it, and and I understand that part of why this is a pro- it's like it's like talking about you know um uh misogyny right so for people who have never for for people once you've once you've had like a couple of really bad experiences you start keeping track of other such experiences elsewhere in the world and you see it as a pattern whereas if you've never had a bad experience just each random event seems like an isolated incident and you don't you don't think about how you don't notice the pattern because you you kind of wash your brain you you know it kind of washes out with each new thing and so once when I realized that I couldn't kind of convince someone of something because they didn't have the pattern recognition, I'm like, oh, fuck, I should just make a list. And making that list turned out to be one of the most effective persuasion tools I've ever done, which is just literally digging up old news and like collecting all of these mm-hmm. thing. all Every example of racism I can find all the way back from like 1980 something. And it's like when you see like a hundred of them all on one page, you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, it's just. Yeah, yeah and um where am i going with that and so i once there was a news article that came out about the most recent version of something it's like people painting their faces and stuff so it's again it's not as bad as as blackface in the u.s i think because there's no legacy of slavery here in, and as some people would dispute this but you know nitty-gritty details point is that the the national argument like the state perspective and the media organization perspective and kind of the mainstream perspective like everyone just sort of didn't know that this was a thing. And I'm like, guys, the, the, I have the links. Like these things happened like seven years ago, 12 years ago. And I posted it. And uh, so that got a bunch of attention. And then people were calling me an activist. They were like, activist Visagan Viraswamy shared all of these. <laughs> oh shit. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what is the activism here? That I have a memory? <laughs> you know, I yeah. remember this. And it's, it's, it's wild to realize that the, and, 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 you know, Singapore is regarded as, like, one of the most competent, you know, competent government, competent everything, right? But, like, even then, like, the institutional rot or the... It's just, I guess nobody cares, right? And, 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 like, people, yeah. they work and then they leave their jobs. And no one's, like, I would like to put together a kind of national history for the country. Like, okay, the historians work on it, but, like, they are, like, kind of walled up in their very academic context. And there's no, like, everyday practical kind of oral historian who's like you know these are all the things that have happened and so people keep re-litigating and re um there's just all these very weird worth (laughs) i get very strong feelings about this but i see people wasting their time yeah right people really people really you know i have a tweet from like 2016 where i'm like I, i think time magazine put donald trump on the cover and like the m of the magazine was like over his head so it looks like horns and that was like the topic of the day people were like oh trump time magazine destroyed trump by putting horns on his head like what the fuck are you people doing like this yeah like, <laughs> nobody is there's no benefit there's no cost it's just it's just noise it's like that's how we expanded that day or that couple or that news cycle it's like completely you know like and and so witnessing that kind of radicalized me a little bit, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make threats. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. keep, tra- I'm gonna keep track of shit, and and demonstrate, you know, and like so, like I, one of my threats. Now I do this every year. It's like whenever there's a news event, I just add it to a threat. And at first, yep. people are like, what are you doing? like Are you like taking the those threats are great? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's it's just an act of remembrance. Like it's I don't even know what it's for. It's just that. Now, if I want to look back on what happened last year, I can scroll through that and get a sense of everything that happened last year. And it's just, you see how much time and energy and noise gets expended over stuff that is inconsequential. And then you yeah. juxtapose that, you go to like the Wikipedia page for like 2020, 2019, right? Ignore the pandemic. Let's go to 2019. And then you see like, if you go to the Wikipedia page for 2019, it's like January. And like, there's like January 3, there was that Kasim Soleimani thing with the-, the Oh, like, right, it, you know? yeah. Right? And then like the next one is like January eight, So like January 4, 5, 6, 7, like all the news stories were just, it's not relevant. It's just it's, yeah. like with, a year later, no one gives a shit. And so once you realize that so much time and energy on the news is expended on inconsequential things that, you know, it's like the media industry is incentivized to make sure there's always people talking about stuff. And individuals are kind of incentivized to you know, like we read the news to figure out where our friends stand on issues so that we can play our status game, which is fine. But like, it's, uh, I, I see it as a relinquishing of power of like our, like we could instead be, you decide what your values are, you decide what change you want to see in the world. And then you kind of just uh, labor uh, persistently to make it happen. And then when you make these things happen, people are like, oh, wow, like that's so difficult or that's so, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's like, yeah. you know, people eat too much sugar and then they cut out their sugar and then they find that, holy shit, they're a lot happier, fitter, all those things. And, or they drink more water. And then it's, it's just such a dramatic difference. But people struggle to imagine changing their habits or their behaviors. And it's just, and you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I'm a master at changing my physical behaviors. I, I eat like shit and sleep weird hours. <laughs> but, but it's just, though it's it's funny to witness how people dismiss The possibility of dramatic change and i I do so like while i I described earlier how pessimistic i am about not pessimistic but kind of worried i am about bad shit happening i also simultaneously think that we have never had more power to do good shit than ever before like we can really coordinate you know like so um with with singapore again like the government is used to a media ecosystem where they could control everything. And like, you know, if, if they kind of said, I don't look at this, it's not a big deal. Like, like ignore this, like in a week, like maybe there's like a few, a handful of like a dozen people who are like, wait, that smells fishy. Like what the fuck? And then, like a week later, it's like everyone's like, oh, "What? What can you do? There's just one newspaper, and you can now. It's like you can have a blog, and you can, you know, you can have threads, and you can send people forward stuff on social media. But again, yeah, social media, you can forward stuff. Then what happens is everyone's uncles become like <laughs> fucking. So suddenly, you find out that your your uncle is like a Chinese nationalist. Like, why? Like, where did that, where did that come from? <laughs> like, oh, someone sent him a video on WhatsApp, and he listened to it and he believed it. How? Like, <laughs> like it's actually it's crazy it's it's like yeah it's it's like what you're saying about the hydrogen bomb guy but like yeah. people are so susceptible to the that's it makes no i, I guess it's because they didn't read books when they're growing up that's my explanation yeah yeah i know for sure someone yeah. comes along with a charismatic story about how bill gates is gonna chip all of us i'm like
0: what really okay. come on yeah no it's it's like i i love it it like simultaneously, I love it that, yeah, for yeah, example, like you know, the government can't just say stop paying attention to this, and people like will just you know go along A bit with it bit more, it. yeah, because yeah, you know maybe you shouldn't trust governments all the time, yeah. but then at the same time, like if everybody's empowered, it's like oh shit, what if what if most people have terrible taste in what <laughs> they pay attention to? God, yeah. oh no, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, cool. I should probably go check on my wife and baby. Um, all right. If that's cool with you, but it has been a pleasure talking. talk. Oh, uh, do you want to show anything?
1: Oh yeah. If you've, if you've enjoyed my thoughts so far, um, I have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. And um, I have an ebook called friendly ambitious nerd, which is basically all the same stuff that I've
0: been talking about. And uh, you can check it out. Yeah. Cool. I will, I will link those in the thread. Um, Hey, it is, it's been a pleasure talking with you and nice to meet you. And uh, we, we just got our first uh, shot of vaccine today. And I think travel is going to be a little bit restricted for us for the short term, at least, because it turns out babies have a hard time on planes. But um, would would love to meet up with you in person sometime. Uh, Either like we can find a way to go to Singapore or if you come back to the States. Anyway, let's talk about it. Um, But it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you for taking the time. Anytime.